I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, we are in the midst of this sermon series looking at your top ten favorite biblical passages, but in two cases, as I mentioned earlier in 1 Corinthians, you selected two that were very close to each other in the same chapter. These two are not in the same chapter, and yet still from the same book, the Gospel of John, and in fact, even though in separate chapters, we find them located in the sequence of John's telling of the story of Jesus They are very close together and relate to one another. These two passages are only separated by three verses. And yet in those three verses, there is a very dramatic exchange between Jesus and his lead disciple, Peter the Rock, his right-hand man, the one he's counting on to help him make this happen, this call of God upon his life of bringing the kingdom to the world. Chapter 13 and 14 both come from the setting of the Last Supper. The last night Jesus is with his disciples in physical presence here on earth. In verse 33, just before where we began to read this morning, Jesus has just told the disciples that he is going away. Then he gives them the new commandment to love one another. And then the part that we didn't vote for, that we skipped if you would, before chapter 14 begins. But in that part, there is this dramatic exchange that I want us to hear. Verse 36 in chapter 13, John records this. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. So we're on the last night. Jesus is with his disciples. He gives them this new commandment that they should love one another and says that's how they're going to know if you're my disciples, if you have this love, agape, remember is the Greek word there, do the good for, so to love another is to do good for another. That's how they're going to know if you're my disciples. And Peter says, oh, I'm I'm your disciple. In fact, I'm so committed, my devotion is so great, I will lay down my life for you if necessary. Jesus declares that Peter will not lay down his life now. 
And what's going to happen now is that Peter's going to deny even knowing him. But right after that dramatic scene, Jesus gives us the counsel that is in chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, it would be easy to go from the new commandment where we're going to love one another right to the comforting words that we can believe in God and believe in Christ. But in between those two passages, I think we need to look at that uncomfortable passage where Jesus and Peter have this exchange about how Peter is going to fall short because I think it sheds light on the meaning of the new commandment the new commandment that Jesus gives them. I give you a new commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have agape, that is, if you do the good, if you love one another. But Peter's exchange with Jesus introduces a whole new level to the meaning of this agape, this love for one another, when he offers and says, I will lay down my life for you. And we know that Jesus is facing his own impending death at this point. And that's what is new about this commandment, is that it begins to involve willingness to lay down one's life or another if necessary that's a deeper kind of commitment than just having affection for someone to do the good when it involves life and death when it involves giving one's life now most of us in this country are never called upon to have to make that kind of decision and yet I think it's still important for us to grapple with the depth of the call that Jesus is making to these early disciples and perhaps is making to us as well through this gospel, John writes. Because the call is deeper than we normally think about it being when we read these verses from John's gospel. It's a deeper kind of love. It is a self-giving sacrificial willingness to give to another this is the last night jesus is with his closest friends and disciples and in this final council he says to them that to be committed to him is to be committed to one another within the body in a much deeper way than we're usually comfortable acknowledging but he makes it really clear in three verses. He says it three times. Love one another. Love one another. Do good for one another. It's so much easier just to come to worship and say, Hello, how are you doing? So glad that you're here. That's a kind of love and kindness. And I want us always to extend that. But in terms of loving one another within the body of Christ... What John records here for us and what Jesus says to those disciples goes so much further 
In fact, as I was thinking about it this week, and any time I think we contemplate this kind of commitment, this kind of devotion that may involve giving our own life, it causes us to pause. Frankly, it's scary. If Jesus calls you to give your life for someone sitting next to you or across the room, are you prepared for that? Peter thought he was, but he was not. I'm not sure we are ready for that either. But it helps me a little bit to think about that Jesus was not in this big a room or with this big a group of people. He was with his disciples, 12 Really just 11 at this point because Judas has already gone out. Maybe a few more folks who traveled with Jesus and the disciple band, so 12 or 20 maybe. Some of our biblical scholars say that the average size of a church in the early years was probably 18. A little bit easier to think about having that kind of commitment, that deep of a commitment to a dozen people or to 18 people. And yet, really, how many of us are ready to give our lives for anyone else? To sacrifice ourselves? And yet, this is the situation that we've just read about. But we are in a much larger circle here at Boston Avenue, so I began to wonder what does self-giving love look like in our life together, in our everyday comings and goings? It may look like the family I told you about briefly last week when I was thanking you for your financial gifts for our summer programming, where a parent came to me and thanked me for receiving their child into one of our camps because the child had experienced such belonging and acceptance and care and concern that the parent could see that it changed their sense of self. They had greater self-esteem and greater self-worth and had begun to find a place to truly belong and feel like they fit in and that they would be loved and cared for. I think that could be an illustration of the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. Or it might look like the single woman who's moved to Tulsa from another state after having some difficult experiences and found here at Boston Avenue a caring and loving community, a sense of acceptance and support. She shared her surprise that so many people already know her and she has an individual character here and that people respond to that and support her. I think that's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. Or it might be the fellow, he was 30-something years old. It was a couple of Saturdays. I was up here working in the morning. I was on my way out of the building. I was just in shorts and a T-shirt, and he just stopped to ask if they could look around. I said, oh, sure. And he began to tell me that he grew up here, but that his family had moved away right after high school. And now, a couple of decades later, he's back. He's brought a couple of friends who are traveling with him. He said, I just wanted to show them this building because this is where I grew up. I said, oh, great. And he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, do you all still have a Boy Scout troop here? I said, oh, yeah, we still have an active and growing group. They still meet in the basement. Oh, that's where they met when I was here. And then his eyes brightened, and he turned and looked at his friends, and he said, 
oh my gosh, that was my group. Those were the guys that really supported me when I was a teenager. I think that's maybe what love looks like in a congregation this size. So often it happens in smaller groups, maybe in a UMW circle, a prayer group, a choir group, maybe just where two or three people get connected and love and care and support each other. It might look like the people who worship here early on Sunday and then afterwards drive out to the Oklahoma Methodist Manor and join with the folks there who have been a part of our congregation or maybe just heard about our congregation. But they are now gathering together in a room with some of our people so that they once again can be part of a worshiping, praying community of people even though they're no longer able to travel downtown and be in this room. They can still be with us. Or it might look like the woman I heard interviewed on the radio this week. It was Wednesday night. She was going back to her church home to a place where nine people had been murdered the week before. And she said, you know what? This is not about race. This is not about hate. This is about love one another. What a remarkable testimony. That whole church has given the whole country about what the gospel is really all about when Jesus talks about do you have love for one another. You may have noticed the signs in the hallways out here. We have another congregation worshiping at 11 here in our building in our Rose Chapel. The name of the church is Witnessing AME Zion Congregation. That's a sister congregation, American Methodist Episcopal Zion to United Methodist, predominantly an African-American congregation. I found out through a series of relationships that their bishop had sent a young man here to pastor this small group try to get a church going and thriving but they had no building and had no resources to find a building i thought we have room they could join us so for the last several weeks they've been gathering there's just a couple of dozen of them right now with their new pastor reverend brown and our rose chapel at 11 jesus says we should love one another that we should do good for one another. And that's how people will know that we're His disciples. That's how everyone will know that you're my disciples, He says, if you have love for one another. Self-giving love can take many different forms. Jesus gives us an example in chapter 13 before where we began to read today he gives an example before he gives the command where he washes the feet of the disciples. I think he surprised all of them when he took off his outer robe and wrapped a towel around himself, knelt down to wash their feet. It was an act of service. It was an act of humility, of vulnerability. But it was an act of self-giving love of doing good for someone else. What does agape or self-giving love look like in your life? 
Where do you find your place of serving? Where do you sense God calling you to give sacrificially? Often when we're searching for that place, we hit on it, we begin to think about it, oh, that could be it, and we begin to have a growing desire within us to do so, but then we get distracted, or we get scared, or we get involved in something else, and we never follow through. We fall short of God's call upon us. But we're not unlike Peter, who had the desire, he said he was ready to go. But when the time came, he wasn't, he wasn't quite ready. But then right after Jesus tells him that he's not ready, that in fact he will not prove that he knows him, but that he will deny that he knows him, Jesus says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. What good news. It's clear that we're not in this alone, that God is working through Christ on our behalf. Those few words I read at funerals over and over again because they provide so much comfort in the face of death. They remind us of the good news that God is at work in Christ and at our death or the death of a loved one, we can count on God to take care of us. Did you notice in just those three verses, those first three verses in chapter 14, Jesus says, I or me or my seven times. He is at work on our behalf. Even if we deny Christ like Peter or fall short in our loving one another as He loved us, He still loves us. He still loves us. It's the grace of God being poured out and offered to us without price through Christ our Lord. It's the revelation that God initiated this relationship and that it's a loving relationship and that God is ever at work for our good. And God is extending us this unmerited favor, this blessing of His mercy and love and forgiveness over and over again throughout our lives. In the Gospel of John, there is this recurring theme that all Christ does is to represent or reveal the Father. He says over and over, that's all I'm here to do is what God has told me to do. That's all I want to do is fulfill this call of God upon my life. That's why I was sent. He gives us several examples from just these two chapters we read. Let me read you a couple before we close. The beginning of chapter 13 John begins to describe the disciples gathering on that last night. And then he writes this in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God 
and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Or this, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love, if you have agape, if you do the good for another. Yes, my friends, the world will know. They will know we are Christians by our love. May it be so. Amen.